Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show. Today is Tuesday, February 7th, otherwise known as the State of the Union. Bloody, bloody, blah. blah. <laughs> I'm too, I'm getting too old for this crap. Andrew Malcolm, the yeah. principal of Twitter, the regent of redstate.com at AH Malcolm. You just saw him right there. I'm getting a little too old for this crap, but you know, it's still going to take place whether I like it or not, right? Oh, right. You know, the nation was blessed uh, with no uh, formal State of the Union speech after George Washington did the first one, which was yeah. uh, like 1,100 words. And then they just, the Constitution doesn't say anything. It says they will send to the Congress. So they sent up a note, a message uh, for many, many administrations. Then Woodrow Wilson thought that he'd like to do it in person. And then and then radio came along and there was no way that they were not going to have the president was going to pass up an opportunity to speak on the radio. And then TV came and they do it on TV. And I, I agree with you. It's a complete bore. It's it's like a kabuki play. I went to a kabuki play once. You know, those things can last like 12 hours. And no, people, no. no, 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 seriously. And people buy tickets to their favorite part of the play. So they go in like the, the third hour. This is what I do for Madame Butterfly. I go in for the arias, but they, they buy a ticket to the third hour and they go and sit there and they see the part that they like. Because it's not really a story that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating, but um, it's a long theater sit. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. And I thought, uh, I, that's like sitting through all three of the director's cut versions of Lord of the Rings, <laughs> which, which, Andrew, I actually did once. Oh, my gosh. I actually did that. And I think it took 14 hours because the people I was, I invited over to my house, mostly family members, were kind of insisting on things like bathroom breaks and meals. <laughs> <laughs> meals? Meals. Oh, yeah. Whoever they, heard they, of that? Go wasn't, think the, that. Wasn't, there, wasn't there a Lord of the Rings movie 30 years ago? There was. It was an animated film by Ralph Bakshi. And he actually had the rights to the film. They had to, as I, as I understand it, Peter Jackson had to go to Ralph Bakshi and buy the rights back in order to. My kids, my kids wanted the goal. It would have been uh, like 78 to 82, sometime in there. Yep. They, yep. It was 79. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted the goal. And I, I, my mind turned to jelly. I, 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 I slept through it. I, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't handle it. They were all, they, they were all excited, but no. I gotta tell you, I don't understand how Ralph Bakshi of all people got the rights to it. I, I, I am very familiar with Ralph Bakshi's animation. I don't know if you remember Fritz the Cat. You remember that was the X-rated yeah. film back, back when you could be X without being flat out pornography. It was, it was a, it was sort of like a midnight cowboy era. Uh, yeah. X. And, um, and yeah, so I mean, he did Fritz the Cat. He did um, he did a bunch of different things. Um, 
that were just strange wizards which was a really bizarre little film well, uh, i thought i thought lord of the rings was strange so uh I just... had the creepy el the elves were all really creepy and, and you know sort of ghastly looking and it was i mean i remember that film and it was only half of it was only half of the story yeah <laughs> about well i don't remember a thing because i was sleeping it but i but i'm i'm the guy except for james bond i'm up to here with superheroes i i've, I've had enough for a while no i and, I, I hear you i hear you so anyway anyway state of the union last year Last year, it was um, 61 minutes, which uh, uh, was nowhere near Bill Clinton's record of 87 minutes, oh. 87 minutes. Remember, he also went on and on at the convention for his acceptance speech. That guy, he, you like to talk from Arkansas. So we'll get to see somebody else from Arkansas in the rebuttal afterwards with Sarah Huckabee. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is going to do the rebuttal. Um, and then there's a Spanish guy who's going to do the rebuttal in Spanish. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I have to, I have to say the, the whole idea of this, and it's not the fact that, you know, I don't have a problem with presidents making speeches. I don't even have a problem with presidents making speeches to joint sessions with Congress per se, but it's all of the trappings that go along with this. Oh yeah. Oh. Are in reverse ratio to the substance of what is going to follow. I mean, exactly. This exactly. is like, an, this is like an Imperial, um, you know, um, what did they used to call that in, in, in Roman days, the, a, uh, a court, a court, uh, an audience. Well, it's an audience, but I mean, I, I'm thinking of the triumph. It's like an imperial triumph, right? Yeah. Uh, they, they, you have the president of the United States coming up the aisle, and everybody is trying their best to get into the camera view to kiss his ass. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. People who who would otherwise call him all sorts of names. It doesn't matter which side of the aisle we're talking about here. It's the same every single time. I know. It's just obnoxious. It really is. You know. Um, I, I'm I'm in the school, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg school, where she slept through it. She was taking cancer drugs, so I don't. There's no problem with that. But she she went to sleep, and so did Joe Biden. There's a picture of Joe Biden nodding off during one of Obama's. Well, yeah, I mean, okay, so everybody falls asleep during a State of the Union address. I can't fault anybody for doing this once the speech gets started, but until then, you think you're going to. Yeah, I know. It's a grandiose spectacle. Yeah. And then it stops, and the president basically delivers a campaign speech, and not even one that he really believes, right? That's right. And not even one that he ever does anything about. It's all just talk, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, exactly. Um, it, it's. It's everything so what, that's already on the, it's our, everything that's on their agenda, right? It's nothing yeah. new here. Well, uh, I, 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 I read that he has to, well, not, he doesn't do it. Some, some guy does it for him, but has to rewrite parts of it to, to work in how um, the balloon was Republicans fault. Well, of course. Yeah. We're going to get to, we, we got to get to the, we got to, cause that's more substantive than anything we're going to talk about with the state of the union address. Um, the China spy balloon. And yeah. I think I think that the real value of the China spy balloon was really all the friends we made along the way. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you know, I I, I, I wanted I, to write a post, Andrew, that said, you know, China spy balloon. What's actually happening is he's going around the country, helping people to solve their personal problems, sort of like, you know, deep impact was for comets right. hitting the. Hitting well, the when it when it was in Montana, I said, boy, I sure hope. I sure hope the military doesn't shoot down the giant Valentine's Day balloon that I ordered from China <laughs> for my wife. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, this is there are some really substantive questions. That yeah, of course, there, of course this. there are. And that was what uh, I think the main point of my column was, which I won't I won't blow the whole thing up, but it has to do with like a balloon. You want to blow yeah. the whole thing up like a balloon? Yeah, that's right. See, I, I got a hot air balloon. Hot air, yeah, it's a it's a natural. Yeah, yeah. it's, a, it's a natural thing. I um, it had to do with face, um, and you know maybe they were picking up some intelligence along the way. If they hadn't shot, <laughs> sent the the whatever that missile was, Sidewinder. Uh, uh, and it blew up the uh, instrument com compartment because that was the metal part it homed in on. But uh, if they just shot out the balloon and let the capsule fall, they might have been able to figure out better what China was doing. But um, so that I'm, I'm sure they were getting something out of it. And, you know, they've done it before. Just happened to fly over Guam, which has a Polaris submarine base. Just happened to fly over Guam, which has a B-52 base. Happened to fly on this flight that went over Malmstrom, which is uh, Great Falls, uh, Montana, which is actually the airport for Great Falls, Montana. But um, there's nothing there except that's the, um, the, what do you call it? I guess the management, the communications center for a third of our underground Minuteman three ICBM silos. Um, and then it flew over Whiteman Air Force Base in Missouri, which is seven square miles of highly classified space that has the B-2 bombers. It's the home for them. Um, but to my eyes, well, of course I lived in Asia for uh, some years, but uh, to my eyes, it, this was all about face. And I think, a lot of the world is going to look at it. You know, the world saw Biden stumble, actually, worse than stumble, fall flat on his face again with the Afghan exit and the botched evacuation, which was mortifying on a global thing, which he still calls an extraordinary success. Um, but this is to show the world. Maybe Americans don't get it and the American media, but to show the world in your face, America, we can do this. And guess what? We know you're not going to do anything about it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, That's, exactly. It's, it's it, I mean, paper so the, tiger. Yeah. The fact that we didn't do anything about it until the thing had completely transfers to us and stopping it was pointless at that time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's PR. You know, this is what the Biden people and what they have the military people do for Biden is all about appearances. There's very little of substance. You know, what does it look like? What are we doing uh, that that looks good? And we aren't actually have to do anything. We had a, We had an evacuation. Didn't work, but we had an evacuation and it was an extraordinary success. They, they just, well, we shot it down. Well, yeah, but its mission was already complete. Right. Ah, right. So you 
It couldn't it couldn't snoop in on Bermuda. Oh, I mean, come on. It, it's just so embarrassing. Um, and but well, you know that the American media treats it like, uh, well, okay, he was decisive. Well, I mean, this is this is what I'm going to get to uh, on this particular story is is how the media responded to this because at first, when Republicans were saying shoot this damn thing down. The Biden administration was letting it leak out that, oh, no, that's a dangerous thing. You know, you, my ass. And 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 and, you know, it's um, and and that, uh, you know, it's we, we sh- it could be provocative. And that's what the media was saying. Oh, you know, it's 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 no big deal. It's a, it, it could be provocative. It could be dangerous. And then when Biden, like 48 hours later, shoots, orders the thing shot down all of a sudden. Biden acted decisively. Well, no, he didn't. He dithered for at least 48 hours. He's, yeah. Maybe as many as 96 hours before he did something about this. Yeah, actually, absolutely. And Montana, it hovered over Montana because, you know, it had solar right. panels, so it had power. Um, Montana is the third least populated area of the country. There are seven people on average per square mile in Montana. Right. You know, there's 28 million square feet in a square mile. Okay. Yeah. So the chances of hitting anything, there's two and a half times as many cattle in Montana as there are people. So the chances of hitting anything but a cow or a sheep is infinitesimal. Right. right. And it would have shown in your face, China, and then it would be China that lost face. Well, you know, Obama warned us, don't don't underestimate Biden's ability to screw something up, everything up. I don't think he said screw, but I think other than that. It wasn't screw. It wasn't screw. (laughs) At least reportedly. Reportedly, it was the word was not screw. Um, But but the but the thought was is accurate and it's proven to be wise as well. Because Oh, yeah. Oh, geez. And and so, it, so you know he cutting off the Russian oil, but gives Russia more oil to sell somewhere else at a higher price. So Putin's getting more money now than he was before. Yeah, I mean, oh, again, just, the, and the, the, my frustration in this is the media turning on a dime, telling oh, everybody, yeah. you know, it's all, it's like the gas stove thing, right? Yes. Yes. Biden administration officials talk about banning gas stoves. Republicans say that's ridiculous. Um, Nobody's coming after our gas stove, you know, excuse me. From my cold, dead hands. (laughs) Right, exactly, sort of thing. And then how does the media report on this? Oh, Republicans are stoking a culture war over gas stoves. Nobody's actually uh, proposing to ban gas stoves. And what happens after that? Even more Biden agencies start talking about banning or restricting gas stoves. So I mean that it's this is this is the problem with the media, and this gets back yeah. to this whole discussion we were having last week about. Yeah. You know, I I don't know if you and I talked about the Columbia Journalism Review story where they. No, but I, it wasn't it, that something. It was actually a really well done deconstruction of the Russia collusion hoax, and I think it had. It had criticism for Donald Trump. It had criticism for his White House, but it had a ton of criticism for for the media that's covering this, who swallowed that that steel dossier hook, line, and sinker, without ever asking a single skeptical question about P tapes and the rest of it. Right, and um, I thought that that was a spectacular thing. At the same time, this comes out though, Andrew, 
we'll get and we'll get to the CGR report in just a second. Same time this comes out, you've got the media elites meeting at the Cronkite Media Lab, whatever the hell that is, declaring that um, objectivity has got to go. Buddy, yeah. it went a long time ago. That's the problem. <laughs> right? Oh, I know. They're, they're justifying what they've already done. And actually, they're justifying what the pack of journalists that they're working for them have decided they're going to do. And there's nobody uh, in a strength or position to change. Right. So, I mean, so what you get is the gas stove propaganda. What you get is the China spy balloon propaganda. The media yeah. is just basically regurgitating administration propaganda and passing it along as journalism, which it clearly isn't. Um, it, and what 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 use is there for a free press? I'm not saying I'm against a free press, but I'm just positing this. No, question. you're right. Yeah. What use is there for a free press if all they're going to do is uh, regurgitate the political propaganda of the government? Exactly. And participate in the censoring of conservative media on social media. You know, the founding fathers, in their wisdom, without knowing about radio and social media, etc., the founding fathers wrote in constitutional protections for the press because they were supposed to be watchdogs and they'd become nothing but lapdogs. They, they're not watchdogs anymore. Uh, and so now there's talk about somebody starting up a law uh, a suit that will get to the Supreme Court and change the libel. You know, the, the Bull O'Connor case that was actually the New York Times again, in right. which they came out with the uh, stricture that uh, truth is an absolute defense. So you could say, and, now, and this is different in Canada, for instance, which has British kind of law. Right. If I print something in the newspaper that hurts your reputation in Canada, I can sue you and get damages. I mean, you can sue me and get damages. In right. the States, you know, absolute defense is, but it's true. So you prove it's true and hey. Yep. Yep. So that was actually that was actually the case of uh Larry Flint uh Larry Flint versus uh Jerry Falwell, which was well, I thought it was it, Bull O'Connor in New York Times. He tried to yeah. But I mean, it was it was also the issue on point at uh, on uh, Larry Flint versus Jerry Falwell. Um, yeah. Falwell had sued Larry Flint for the you know that bogus Campari ad, which you know Falwell had um, had uh, you know depicted Falwell as is having sex with his mother in an outhouse. Now, if you watch the film from Milos Forman, you know uh, you'll you'll know what the case is about. Um, Falwell countersued over copyright violation, and the jury initially awarded uh, Falwell $200,000 for the infliction of emotional distress in that absurdity. Now, this isn't actually this isn't about the truth as an absolute defense, but it is about uh, the ability to criticize people, especially public figures, um, through the use of satire. And that's also a, a pretty steadfast principle here that would never pass muster, ever in Canada or the UK. And in fact, again, even, even truth, if it hurts your feelings is. Actually, yeah, that's right. Which yeah. is crazy. It's so it, it, it's, it's, it's a, uh, what an angle version of woke. Right. So, I mean, even in, in the United States, my point is that 
in the United States, even without truth, even if it's satire, you can't get uh, public figures can't get emotional dis emotional distress when they can't prove actual malice in terms of false allegations right. Right. that you know, that are presented as believable. That's presented as believable reporting. The, right. you know, the problem with the problem that Falwell had was that nobody believed it. Right? I mean, it was it was so ridiculous. It was obvious satire. Nobody believed it. And so there wasn't really any damage done to his reputation or anything else. It, you know, the only damage would be basically to fall or to Flint and his um, his rather despicable taste. But um, but in this case, I mean, it was an important. Now, what I want to explore with you just a little bit on this is whether or not that that's going to hold. Because in the present, yeah. in the present here, you've got people that are attacking free speech even free speech on the basis of truth you're getting you're getting we're edging to the to the uh point here where feelings are actually the primary concern yeah. and not factual presentation right. to where to where people are being silenced even if they're telling a truth as you know and i mean we can point to the whole transgender thing here is that people who are opposing this um are being labeled as transphobic you know in order to you know assign them some sort of mental disability and having them shut down because they're questioning the whole transgender um ideology yeah, it's, it's ridiculous i keep waiting for the pendulum to swing back but it's not yet it's not all right moving on to another media story because this one's actually kind of fun the new york times <laughs> this morning <laughs> the new york times this morning had a um, had an interesting look at what's going on behind the scenes in the Democratic Party and their preparations for 2024. I'm not sure if you saw this yet, Andrew, but apparently there are quite a few Democrats who are growing disenchanted with Kamala Harris as the as the um, backup to Joe Biden. And no kidding. Yeah. I mean, first off, I can totally believe that. <laughs> Because she's an absolute disaster. Um, I am curious, though, as to your thoughts as to the New York Times actually getting these leaks and what that means. Because to me, you know, Fox News was reporting this. People be going, "Ah, eh, it's just Fox News. Fox News is stirring the pot. The New York Times actually is pretty well connected to the Democrat Party. Oh, the yeah. Near, the reporters near the, know the difference between some rando delegate in North Dakota and actual movers and shakers in the party. And this tells me that the trial balloons are being inflated just like a China spy balloon. Yeah, absolutely. Across the United States and see if it takes fire. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm sure the New York Times believes it, believes in it. So as far as they're concerned, this is a, a righteous cause. Uh, well, I think it is. I mean, and to be fair, she is a disaster. Is. Yeah, but the yeah. only way to get her off the ticket is to get Joe Biden off the ticket. I mean, honestly, this is, and I, I wrote this this morning, you can't get her off the ticket without taking Joe Biden off the ticket. Why not? Okay, so here's, here's my thought, Andrew, and you tell me where I'm wrong. Number one, he picked Kamala Harris to be a woman of color on the ticket, right? And then, right. Tried, to, and then tried to say, no, she was just the most qualified. So if they, he has to dump her in 2024, no matter who he picks, it's a losing argument. If he picks another woman of color, it becomes very obvious that this was nothing more than just a, you know, a checkbox sort of thing. For right, him. right. 
for this internal demographic. And he picks a, anybody else other than a woman of color, <laughs> you, you know, black voters are going to be incensed about Kamala Harris coming off the ticket in favor yeah. of somebody who's not black. Um, that's a Democratic Party problem, but it is a problem. Um, yes, yes, it is. Uh, the way I, the only solution I see is the same solution for Kamala that I think they're going to work on for Biden. And that is they volunteer, they change their mind. You know, Biden could announce, well, I've done my part and I want to spend more time with Commander on the beach. And um, so I'm going to turn it over to the next generation. Right. And then the, and then the next Democrat wouldn't pick her. Barring that, they need to get Kamala Harris. And I don't know why, because she's, what, 56? Uh, I don't know what, what... She was 56 when she was elected, 58 now. I don't know what, she, what her excuse would be. But, you know, the commute from L.A. is just too much. And I, I don't want to... Uh, She'll never do it. Uh, yeah. No, she won't. She won't do it. Or who would give up that ticket? Uh, and the Secret Service protection and the drivers. And, and you know, the, what interesting thing, the White House is really pushing her husband as a substantive spokesman. Yep. Now, now um, the uh, Republicans, they didn't send Mike Pence's wife out. I mean, she may have gone out to some women's group or wives of the military or something, but she wasn't sent out like uh, Emhoff is uh, by the White House. I mean, he's he's going all over the country. I think he's going to Texas next um, and speaking to whatever different groups, the kind of assignments that vice presidents would get, but it's the vice president's husband uh, or spouse. So um, there's a there's a point to that, and I'm not sure what it is yet, whether they say, well, you know, we get two for one with Kamala and her hubby. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but they're doing it. They just sent out, uh, was it this morning or late last night, his itinerary for his trip to Texas? Well, who cares? But they're, they're, they're pumping him up, and the White House uh, media had sent pool reporters with him. You know, he just went to Europe to uh, allegedly fight anti-Semitism. So um, they're giving him, a, uh, uh, and, a, and a, for appearances sake anyway, a substantive portfolio, and they're backing it up with considerable travel without her. I don't blame them for not sending her, they, but they're sending her to other places as right. well. Let me, let me ask you if you recall, did... did the Trump administration do that with Karen Pence? She no, I, I, that's what I said. Uh, I don't think so. I think she she went uh, maybe sometimes with Melania. They will go to meet the wives of military uh, or she might go to a hospital now and then or whatever. But it was not a campaign like they're doing with Emhoff. I mean, he's going one in two places every week. She might go once a month. She might have gone once a month, but... Um, and, you know, which is not to say anything about their competence. What it says is they're building them up for something. And I don't know what that is. Um, 
I, I would be, I would guess to be the surrogate on the campaign trail that Kamala Harris has proven to be very bad at. Yeah, no, she's terrible. <laughs> was, she's absolutely New York Times was not terribly kind about it too. I mean, they were talking about this, about the fact, you know, all the different failures that she's had, including the, that Lester Holt interview. And, and here's where I think, and I didn't mention this in the post. This is this is between you and me, Andrew. We we won't talk about this with you know. Okay. All right. So don't don't everybody turn off your your mic. You know, actually, I'm not sure that that's a great strategy. But at any rate, um, <laughs> well, I knew they wouldn't. So, do you, do you remember when Kamala Harris was sort of, you know, uh, I don't want to say she was persona non grata, but she was sort of on a milk box, uh, you know, yeah. milk after that Lester Holt interview, and yeah. And at the time, her allies were angry about how Biden was keeping her from being able to, you know, work her way out of that and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, a few months down the road, there were there were these things about, you know, Joe Biden has to let Kamala Harris, you know, um, you know, make amends, uh, that type of thing. Well, the New York Times, very interestingly and somewhat subtly, uh, posited in this in this, um, excuse me, this analysis was that Kamala Harris was the one who decided not to, not to do interviews anymore and basically go into bunker mode. That it wasn't actually the White House, and <laughs> I don't know which is true, but it does tell me who's leaking it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's seem leaking this stuff basically is what's going on. Yeah, or and somebody in the the, the chief of staff or the communications woman telling Kamala, you need to say you're going into the bunker because, uh, uh, well, you know, this is the problem you get when you don't pick someone on the basis of merit. Yeah. You know, I, I'm serious. I, I, she may be a very nice woman, but uh, she not got the substance that is a heartbeat away from being the right. leader of the free world, God forbid. This is what happens when you pick people to check boxes rather than pick people. That's right, to check boxes, right? And, and and he does that all the time. And is, yeah. Who's impressed by what Lloyd Austin has done? Well, at least Lloyd Austin was had some expertise, right? I mean, Kamala Harris. Well, had he had an experience, yeah. But, right. yeah. Well, Kamala Harris didn't even have that. She was no. AG for 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 a for a single term in California. Then went into the legislature, the, you know, the Senate. She didn't really have executive experience other than being AG. No, none, none. And this is what you neither did Joe Biden, and this is what we get with Joe Biden too. But they had a look at her competence, right? They had a months long look at her competence in the twenty nineteen pre-primary debate cycles, right? She yeah. bombed. She utterly bombed. And that cycle, Andrew, was designed for her. They had moved California up to the front of the pack, near the front of the pack for primary states. They, um, She was obviously the California favorite. Yep. All she really had to do was be competent and, and she and wasn't. Statesman, statesmanlike, and she couldn't even manage that. And that, to me... <laughs> If you're Joe Biden and you see the person who was really the odds on favorite of getting getting the nomination, you know, three years ago or well, before years ago now, four years ago, 
um, flame out in the October, you know, three months before anybody actually even casts a ballot, she had flamed out. How do you come to the conclusion that, well, that's my, <laughs> that's the person I want for my running mate? I think because the value, the overwhelming value they placed on her was had nothing to do with competence. Right. Yeah. And, and even then, I mean, this, and this speaks to Joe Biden more than it does Kamala Harris. Even then, if we, if what you really wanted to do was check a box, there were, there were at least a couple of other candidates that yeah. could have done that for him. Val Demings in Florida was a former police chief, right? Um, could have strengthened the, the Democrats law and order thing. And she is much better <laughs> on her feet than, than Kamala Harris. And it, I mean, Joe Biden had been in Washington for 50 years. He didn't know that Val Demings was better on her feet than Kamala Harris was. Keisha no. Lance um, Bottoms, he I think it is. The, uh, he doesn't Bay. know. There's yeah. a lot of things he doesn't know. And yeah. one, of, one of them is that the day of the week. But yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. yes. Well put. And by the way, with that, we probably have to bring this to an end, except... We need jokes of the week that don't have anything okay. to do with uh, Joe Biden. Or right. Okay. Well, I don't have jokes, but I do have a funny story. There you go. In, it, I've discovered Instagram. And most people probably already knew this, but Instagram runs snippets from all kinds of comedians acts. Sure. They're, they're not always uh, ready for prime time, but, uh, and they're often blue, but, uh, one of the guys, and I didn't get his name, but one of the men on there, it just broke me up the other night. He said, well, I'm recently divorced and I'm having difficulty getting back into the dating scene. And the reason, he said, is because I've been so thoroughly trained as a husband. I will see an attractive woman sitting alone at the bar and I'll go up to her and I'll say, do you have any chores or errands you want me to run? <laughs> and he said, and then, and then I'll say, you know, I could come by tomorrow afternoon and drive your mom to Target. <laughs> that actually might work. I mean, it's, I know, I, know, I, know. I, know. I just, you know, and that, that is the power. Uh, I wish Joe Biden and Donald Trump could do it. That is the power of uh, self-deprecation. Uh, right. That that is just it's just so innately humorous. All right. So since we're telling funny stories, I had a joke from a reader today. Okay. I had heard before. So I will tell you a joke to wrap things up. Here we go. It's a lawyer joke. So everybody should like this. Okay. A lawyer parks his brand new Porsche in front of the office to show it off to his colleagues. As he's getting out of the car, a semi-trailer comes flying along too close to the curb and takes off the door before speeding off. Distraught, the lawyer grabs his cell, cell phone and calls the police. Five minutes later, cops show up. Before the officer has a chance to ask any questions, the lawyer starts screaming hysterically, my Porsche, my beautiful silver Porsche is ruined. No matter how long it's in the shop, it will simply never be the same again. After the lawyer finishes his rant, the policeman is shaking his head in disgust. And he says, I can't believe how materialistic you bloody lawyers are, he says. You're, you're so focused on your possessions that you don't notice anything else in your life. And the lawyer says, how can you say such a thing at a time like this? And the policeman replies, didn't you notice that your arm was torn off? And the, <laughs> and the, lawyer, the lawyer looks down in horror and he says, 
oh my god where's my rolex <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that is a good one, <laughs> that a good one? so the, the reader does not, the reader who gave me that does not like being identified, but I want to thank the reader who sent it. It's <laughs> yeah. awesome. a hat great tip, joke. Hat, hat tip to anonymous. Yeah. Hat tip to anonymous. It's a great joke. I didn't come up with it. It's still, <laughs> oh my that God, is a, my Rolex. That, that is a good one. I'll, I'll use that. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, we are going to make sure that we come back next Tuesday where we talk a little bit more about the State of the Union after it's done. Plus, and, whatever. Uh, whatever. Valentine's yeah. Day. Yeah. Valentine's Day. Yeah. But, so, again, if you're a husband, you know, make sure that you get yourself trained up because next, yeah, we'll have a Valentine's Day podcast episode. That's something to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We can, we can, you can review uh, one or two Hallmark movies. Oh yeah, there you go. Did, did you see the, the a couple of couple of weeks ago the Babylon Bee had a headline? Um, Hallmark writers announced they're close to developing a second script. <laughs> well, I'm standing by for that, but in the meantime, I don't have to stand. See, this is great. See, we're just telling jokes at the end of this thing. In the meantime, yeah. I don't need to stand by for more from the prince of Twitter, the regions of redstate.com. At, uh, at A.H. Malcolm is where you can find him on Twitter, and all the links are there. Andrew, can't wait till next week to do this again. Okay, I'll see you then, Ed. Thanks. All right, stand by for one last message from the Ed Morrissey Show coming up. Now that the political infighting is over and the sausage is being made in the House, it's time for Republicans to unite with one cause and fight back against Joe Biden and his radical administration. The GOP has promised to investigate Biden family corruption, the border big tech censorship collusion, the origins of COVID, the FBI, and intel agencies' attacks on the American people and more, and it's time to hold them to those promises. Here at Hot Air, we won't let up on holding them accountable. We unapologetically fight back against the radical left and squishy rhinos in Congress who fail the people. We bring you the truth and go to war against Biden's woke communist agenda. But we need your help. By becoming a VIP for uh, hotair.com, you can help us in this battle for our country. Just look at the House Democrats leader, Hakeem Jeffries. He's another divisive radical leftist and his communist Sesame Street speech proves it. If Republicans don't halt the Biden agenda and conservative media fails to hold them accountable, it could mean the end of our great country. Join us in the fight. Become a Hot Air VIP member or a VIP Gold member today and use the promo code SAVEAMERICA to receive a 40% discount on your membership. Stand with us and fight to save America. We will never give up. And thank you very much.